Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. So we are starting our series of praying our way to Pentecost. And as he said, you're joining a half million who are from the USA and Canada region alone as we are praying. But I, I don't want you to just confine your prayers to just USA. We are a global church. And we are, we're getting ready for our General Assembly next uh, summer. Uh, that was what I was doing yesterday was um, I was at a nomination committee uh, getting ready for district assembly. And part of that is as we were coming up with the nominations for those to attend our General Assembly in Indianapolis next summer. Um, and here's the deal. If you've never been to a General Assembly, you don't know what you're missing. It is heaven on earth when the Church of the Nazarene from around the world converges on a city. There is nothing more heavenly than city. I enjoyed listening to you. You made a pretty good choir today, by the way. I could hear your voices. But man, when you are sitting with the church from around the world and there is somebody sitting next to you that you can't even understand what language they're singing in, but you are praising God together, that's heaven on earth. That's what it is. Anybody besides, Alvin, have you been to General Assembly? No? Me and Thomas? Wow. I'm just telling you, it is a, a wonderful, if you ever get an opportunity to do it, please, please do that. So... What are we praying for? We are praying for protection. We are praying for direction and revelation for the church. That's what we're praying through with this half million mobilization. And we're praying that God's Holy Spirit is going to make a great outpouring on his church, that renewal, resurgence, I know y'all want that here as well. You know, we're, we're coming out of this pandemic and, and we're ready to just push forward. We want to see that resurgence in the church. Now, the way you can join us, if, if you are coming on Wednesday nights, we will be using these um, prayer journals. Um, they are out in the foyer. Everybody's welcome to pick one up to do it. And also, you'll see there's a yellow, I didn't bring it up here, there's a yellow version that is for your kids to journal in. So if your kids are old enough, they're in school and they can read and they can write, I highly suggest you pick one up for them because it's on their level and, and you can never start too young to teach your kids how to read God's word and journal it and express themselves. And as you can see on the, the board outside of my office, they already know how to do that. But this is a great way for them to feel connected to their church so that maybe as a family, you can sit down and do your journaling together um, and make it a family thing. So there's different ways to, to do this. So there's a paper copy, and, and I suggest it, especially if you're doing Wednesday nights with us to pick this up, but there's a paper copy out there. Please pick them up as you leave today. Um, Bo will have, Bo, do you have, and I know not everybody can do QR codes and those kind of things, but I'm, I'm putting it out there, and this may help people online, but there is an app. There's an app for everything, isn't there? There's an app that's called Half Million Mobilization that you can get on your phone. I know me and Sandy already have it. Um, my phone, Thomas, this morning, I'm getting ready. He said, your phone is doing crazy things in here. What does it do? So every morning, it will send you a notification with the daily um, scripture that goes with it. Um, so maybe... Maybe you want to do this, but then you get to work and you go, oh, I forgot to do my prayer reading this morning out of the journal. You've got it on the app as well. And then I think you can also go 
online to, what is that? Is it halfmillionmobilization.org, I believe. Um, so three different ways that you can connect with this. Um, and it's, it's a very, very short kind of devotion of reading a scripture. Um, and I know some of you are doing the daily scripture writing. Great. So maybe you're like, I can't do two things. That's great. But my theory is not everybody does that with us. I always want to give different ways of doing God's word. All right. Um, and so this is just through Pentecost. So this is a very short devotion that we will be doing together. So on your way out today, please, please get those. Prayer is probably the number one thing that I feel like believers are most scared of. Agree or disagree? Okay, let me put it this way. If I called on you right now to stand and give me a prayer for the congregation, on a scale from 1 to 10, how scared are you at this moment? There you go. Amy Jo. Amy Jo's like 20, 100. Yeah. Um, but I also think Part of the problem is, is because prayer is also probably the most understood thing of our faith. We make it into things that it is not. We make it into scary things. We make it into thinking, well, I don't know what to say, especially in front of people, right? Because sometimes when I pray, or maybe Diane prays, or Thomas, or James, you know, it's like, oh, well, they know exactly what to pray. Oh, folks, I have not always known exactly what to pray. I sat in your seat 20 plus years ago, first time I showed up in this church, and I was scared to death if anybody would have asked me to pray. Every time we sat through Sunday school with Miss Bobby back there, I was scared to death she would ask me to pray or ask me to read something from that Sunday school lesson. <laughs> not because I couldn't, but I just didn't know. I didn't know. And I've always tried to teach our teens prayer is just communication with God. It's just having a conversation. So if I sat down with you and I said, man, this is what's heavy on my heart right now, and I laid it out, can you just imagine God sitting across from you and you're just having a conversation? And I've always said you can't mess up prayer because we have a Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. And in his groanings, he fills in a lot of the gaps of saying, well, Father, this is what BJ really needs. And I know what she said. She just doesn't understand our will. This is what she needs. So you cannot mess it up. Um, but can we be honest today? How many of us feel like prayer doesn't work? Don't raise your hands. That's okay. But if we were being really honest today, you've had moments where you feel like prayer doesn't work. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22 this morning. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. This is where Jesus lets Peter know that he's going to deny Jesus in the days, the time to come. Verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. 
before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Lord, this is your word, and it's alive and active today, and may it change us today because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've heard this passage many times, but I want us to look at it with fresh eyes today. We have an enemy, church, still very active today. I know we just celebrated resurrection. I know Jesus has beat him, but he's still active and he's still roaming around. And in this verse we see, he said, Jesus told Peter, said, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. So I know we have an enemy. And later, Peter will write over in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he knows And I feel like when he wrote that, he's thinking of this moment in his own life. That he knows the enemy is looking for your weak places. Because isn't that what a lion does? He roams around looking for the one that is off by their self to attack, right? So your enemy knows you have a weak spot. Now, when you look at the wording here, verse 31, when he says that Satan has asked to sift you, the word you is plural. So he's talking about the disciples. Not just Peter. The enemy wants to sift all of them. So the enemy is seeking to separate the disciples from Jesus, in other words. To, to see if he can tear apart their faith. But in verse 32, he says, I've pleaded in prayer for you. This you is singular. So this is him speaking specifically to Peter now of how he has prayed for Peter. He says, I've pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not fail. I want to I stop a minute and talk about what fail means. Because the word Jesus uses here, it it has the meaning to come to an end, to die out, to no longer function. That's the word that that he uses. So when our faith has died out, it, it, it comes to an end, it's no longer functioning. That's what he's fearful for Simon. That his faith will fail. But I want to talk about how do we use the word fail? Because, you know, sometimes we kind of lose what the meaning is in a word when we overuse it, right? I caught myself after doing this lesson this week, I hear myself use this. I used it with Angela and them a while ago when I was like, epic parenting fail. And I was sharing a story with them, uh, with my kiddos and their kiddos. And I said, here was my epic parent failure right here. You know, so we we use that word a lot when we refer to anything that we mess up in life, right? We fail. I tried to jump a ditch, but I missed and I landed in the ditch. I failed. Thomas did that once. Tried to jump a rock and he failed and hit the rock, right? Tried to control my kids because their behavior was so crazy and erratic, but in the end, I'm the one that was raising my voice and screaming and I failed as a parent. 
I, I tried to pick the fastest line, you know, in Walmart because we have, what, two to choose from now with actual people. And, and I tried to pick the fastest one, and, and it turns out to be the slowest one with the person that has no, you know, there's no tag on what they want, and there's, you know, um, that kind of deal. It was, a, it was an epic fail. I tried a new recipe, but didn't get really good response on it, and the bowl wasn't empty, so that was probably a fail. You know what I'm talking about. We know what failure looks like. But here's the problem. I think that we use it so often on everyday things that it has become too easy in our life now to say that our faith has failed. We feel like failures as Christians. Oh, who can testify to that? Who has ever felt like you have failed in your faith? And the rest of you just failed because you lied. I know, I know you have those moments, right? We all have that moment. Maybe, maybe you didn't make it through the Lent fasting, right? Maybe you, you cheated. You had a bad day and you cheated. Maybe, um, maybe you, you've messed up and you've missed too many days on our daily devotion writing. And you feel like a failure and then you, you just set it aside because I've already failed, Right? And then you begin to think, I, I'm just a bad Christian. I, I have failed in my faith. But church, what if Jesus' view of failure is not the same as yours and mine? What if that definition looks different for Jesus than it does for you and I? You may be referring to something as a failure that Jesus might never even consider. So you missed your devotion this morning. Would Jesus stop you at the door of heaven? You can't come in. You didn't write it this morning, Pat. You, you know? We put a lot of extra pressure on ourselves sometimes, and it's a performance issue, not a faith issue. So sometimes, and, and listen, somebody's going to take that little snippet of what I just said and said, Pastor said, I don't got to read my Bible. No. I want you in your word every day, no matter how that looks. But I don't want you beating yourself up when you miss a moment. Okay, does that make sense? <laughs> I want you to pick it back up and keep going. Because what Jesus views as a failure is different than what we will look at. Look at verse 32 again. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So that when you repent and turn to me again, you'll strengthen your brothers. He's praying that his faith should not fail. In other words, if failure means to stop functioning, he's saying, Peter, I'm praying that your faith will not stop functioning in the time to come, in the days ahead. And why? So that when you've repented, in the church you only repent when you do something wrong, right? When we've sinned against God, that's when we need to repent. So, so Jesus, listen closely, Jesus did not pray to remove the problem from Peter. He knew what was fixing to take place. He wasn't praying for that problem to go away. He was praying when you go through it, I don't want your faith 
to failure. I don't want it to stop functioning. Because, go back to verse 31, why? Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. What does that mean? Sifting, sifting is a process of removing the coarse particle, particles from the finer ones. In other words, removing what you don't want and keeping what you need to have. Right? That's the whole process. Removing the undesired part from our, our lives so that we have what we want out of it. Church, in these moments of hard times, it's what we call a crisis of faith. Either your faith will keep working or it will stop functioning. Either you will believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior even in the bad days or you give up on God. This is what Jesus is actually praying for Peter. Our crisis moments are our hard times of need. These are the moments that God is shaping us and refining us. Now, I'm not saying he caused them. We live in a broken world. We want to blame God when things go bad. It went bad the moment Eve ate an apple or a pomegranate or whatever that fruit was and then gave it to Adam and he said, okay, you ate it, I'll eat it too. The world broke. Disease entered. Death entered. We live in a broken world. But then God says, I'll use all things for the glory and the good of you. So he's going to use things. So at the same time that Satan's over here saying, oh, I think I can crush these disciples. Just, just let me at them. God is over here on the other side going, give it your best shot. Because he believes in us. And he knows he gives us what we need. Now, church, we struggle with this so much. I, I feel like I just lost probably a third of you because you, you, want, you want me to pray to remove the bad things out of your life. When you call and say, Pastor, can you pray for me? That's really what we want. It's how we pray probably most of the time. I do. When I'm praying for my kids, it's because I don't want them to go through the hard things, right? We want our faith to be perfect. We want life to be perfect. But being a Christian does not give you that. Being a Christian gives you salvation through Jesus Christ, gives you hope in Jesus Christ, and gives you a strength that nothing else does. So Jesus was not praying for it to be removed. He says, I pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So Jesus knew something, some temptation, some hardness was coming at Peter. He knew what was coming. He says, I want your faith to hold up through it. This whole thing has changed the way I've been praying this week. Because so many times we, we do, we pray that, Lord, can you just change the circumstances? Now, I'm not saying you can't pray that way, because sometimes God does change circumstances. Sometimes he will calm the storm right down. But what about, what about that night when Peter wanted to walk on water and, and the storm didn't stop, did it? But he had to reach out and grab that hand 
in the middle of the storm. His faith did not fail him. He knew who to trust in the middle of that storm, Jesus Christ. So, have you ever said, um, if I'd have just been prepared, Lord, if I'd have known what was going to happen, right? If, if I'd have known this is what was going to happen. You see, I think if, if I could have gave Jesus a little pointer, you know, have you ever wanted to do that? Just give Jesus a little bit of information, help him out a little bit. I would have told him how to pray better for Peter, right? I would have said, hey, um, maybe you need to pray for, for Peter to stand firm and resist that temptation of falling, right? I pray that for my kids. I pray that for me. I pray that for my husband. I would have prayed, Jesus, just don't fall into the temptation, right? Well, that's really what we want. Have you ever messed up? so bad, and then thought to yourself, if I'd have only known, I'd have probably done things different. If I'd have only known where this would have led, I wouldn't have clicked on that site on my phone. If I'd have only known, I wouldn't have answered that message. If I'd have only known, I wouldn't have went to that place if I'd have known what was going to happen. Right? If I'd have only known, I'd have changed my whole day that day. So that wouldn't have happened. I'd have only known. Problem with that is, Jesus told Peter. He told him what was going to happen. Because Peter is ready to go to war. Now, re remember what the disciples are hoping and praying is that they're there to take over and, and kick the Romans out and, and free them from the oppression, you know? So he says, I'm ready. Let's grab the swords. I will go to prison. I'll die with you, Jesus. Let's do this. Oh, Peter, my boy. Let me tell you something. You're not ready for this. He said, before the rooster crows, he said... Uh, you're going to deny me three times. What? Jesus, you're nuts. That's how I would have answered. That's, that's the BJ translation. You're nuts. Man, you, you're it. Like, I will go to the very ends of the earth with you, Jesus. So he tells him. So church, you and I are not a lot better than Peter. If Jesus mailed you a letter today and said in the next week, these are the things I think you're going to falter at. God, I'm more faithful than that. I'm not going to talk about that person behind their back. I'm not going to post that on Facebook. I'm a good Christian woman. I'm not going to have those thoughts, right? Because we're good Christians. He told Peter, and Peter still failed at it, right? And see, that's where we kind of have always looked at this passage. We've looked at thinking Peter failed even when he told him what was going to happen, right? I want you to think about something. Satan asked to sift all the disciples, right? Can you imagine what the enemy was whispering in Peter's ear the moment that rooster crowed? You're such a failure. 
He told you and you still did it. You don't deserve to walk with him. You're a failure. Your faith has failed you. But now I want you to get this picture too. Because at the same moment, there's another disciple that messed up. And for 30 pieces of silver, sold out Jesus. So at that same moment, the enemy's whispering to Judas, you're a failure. You don't deserve to walk with Jesus. You messed up. You can't call yourself a Christian. Think about that. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when I, when I gave you my issues about the whole Judas ate at the table too. Yes, he did. And, and that's the, the attitude of Christ that anyone is welcomed at the table of Jesus. But when you look at the two disciples now, how they responded to messing up. It says that Judas regretted what he did. But Jesus says, after you've repented, Peter. There's a big difference between having regrets and repenting when you mess up. We all have regrets. But repentance is when we realize, I sinned against you, God. I didn't just mess up and wish I'd have done it different. That may be, but you take it a step farther, further and you go to the Father and you say, I'm sorry because I've sinned against you. You see, these two disciples reacted in two very different ways. How do you know that your faith has not failed? That's really what we want to know here. Jesus prayed, I pray that your faith will not fail. Well, how do you know? Because Peter still messed up. Because Peter got up and Peter repented. Judas regretted and Judas took his own life. And because of that, we have two very different eternal endings for these disciples. So no... I don't want to be Judas. I want to be Peter. Peter ate at that table too. And Jesus knew he was going to mess up. Hello, they just took the Last Supper right before this. He knew, Peter, you're going to mess up. But he had, he had him in prayer that don't let your faith fail. You know what this tells me? <laughs> Judas had a chance to repent. He didn't. Why? Because he listened to the enemy tell him how much of a failure he was. And he didn't get back up again. So I don't care, church, what you think is so bad today that is unforgivable. All it takes is getting back up and repenting of your sin. And God can redeem your story. Now, does it mean that it, it erases all consequences of what you've done? No. There, there still is consequences on this earth sometimes for what we do. But it changes your eternal ending. And then it goes even, even beyond this. So, so how do you know faith hasn't failed? You keep getting back up. Repent. Turn to Jesus one more time. There, there's a, a, a thing where um, I've seen a, a testimony of a girl, and, and just let's try this one more time. Man. 
Sometimes, sometimes we can't even look down the road, can we? Life is so heavy on us. But I can get up every morning and say, God, I'm going to do it one more time today. And I'm, I'm sorry where I have let you down and I have messed up. I'm going to do it one more time today, Lord. One more time. But look at verse 32. So he prayed. I'm praying for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So, so, which means there's a purpose. When you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. See, there's a purpose. It's not just about repenting so I get to heaven someday. It's about repenting so I can take as many people with me as I can. So that I can strengthen somebody else. This becomes his testimony. So his prayer was not just for the sake of Peter. He knew that Peter could change a whole generation. Do you know that church? One person can change everything. You want to see revival start? How many of you have, have prayed for revival in this church, in this country, in this community? You want to see it start? It starts with you. It doesn't start with me bringing in a new pastor and, and entertaining y'all for a weekend. It starts with you. It starts with you doing something different. It starts with you getting excited. You know, our Wednesday night, our kids and our teens, it's kind of a whole new reboot. And I, I've been sharing, you know, with Shelly and with Bo, I said the whole process, what few kids we have, they have to go tell their friends. And let me tell you, Rayleigh, that little girl is on fire. She is bringing kids to church like crazy. And then those kids get a little excited, and then they're going to go tell somebody. Hey, adults, it works for you too. <laughs> you gotta, you got to be the fire. Yeah, but I don't know if I feel like it. Oh, I'm sure Peter didn't feel like it. He felt like an absolute failure, right? But by Jesus' definition, when we repent, when we come back to Him, then your faith didn't fail. It didn't stop functioning. In other words, I knew that in that moment of messing up, Jesus is where I needed to run to. And after Peter repents and he comes back, he becomes one of the key voices in the church. When we get over there to Pentecost, we're praying through to Pentecost, remember? He gives this big sermon telling the gospel and 3,000 people join the church. That would not have happened if he had just sat down and wallowed in the mess he had made. Because after he denied three times that night knowing Jesus, he had to watch him get crucified. And he could have gave up. He could have gave up. Thinking of all the what-ifs, what if I'd have done it this way, what if I... No doubt, we could all go back and change our, our whole course. 
if we made some different decisions. But we don't get that option. The option you have today is where do you go from this day forward? From this day forward. Let's, let's make a pact right here that from this day forward, we're not worried about what happened in 2020. We're not worried about the last elections. We're not going to let the next election rock our boat so hard because from this day forward, God is my king. Jesus is my savior. And I want to strengthen the people around me. I want to make a difference like Peter made a difference. So as we pray our way to Pentecost, what are you praying for, church? I want you to take this as serious as ever, to pray for this body and to pray for the U.S.-Canada region, pray for the global church. Because I feel like all churches need a revival right now. They need a freshness to blow through. And Jesus was praying for Peter. I know you're going to mess up. But I know that your faith will not fail you. Church, I believe in every one of you. Every person sitting in this room. I know that you'll have hard things. Some of you, you're already walking it. The question is, will your faith fail you? And you see there's this thing called free will that we make that choice. You see, the the gift is already there. Jesus paid the price for every sin. Every sin. So whatever you have in your mind that you think, well, except for mine, every sin has been paid for. But you have to repent. And see, this is about you. This is not about others and the one that maybe somebody that hurt you. This is about you. So here's my prayer for you this morning. I pray that your faith should not fail you. So that when you have repented and turned to Jesus again, you'll use your testimony as a witness to strengthen others. Your faith is not for you to hide and hold on to. It's for you to strengthen others, to share with others. I'm so excited to see so many of your faces here this morning. Because that tells me that the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is working. And I'm hoping that you'll catch that this morning. So, so you have these stones. I know y'all are all like, okay, where does the rocks come in? Like, I ain't heard nothing about no rock this morning. That's what, who was it? Sandy, was it you? Okay, time to figure out what the rocks are for today. As we pray our way through Pentecost... This jar is going to be here every week. Those rocks are going to be here every week. And as we close every week, if you know back in 1 Samuel the story where Samuel put his Ebenezer, does anybody know that story of when God was there to help the Israelites? 1 Samuel. Chapter 7, 
verse 12, Samuel took a large stone and he placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jashna, and he named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And you'll read through Old Testament times, time and time again, when they would build an altar and they would stack the stones up, and it's to remember what God has done for me. Because see, the problem is, too many times when we mess up, our faith fails because we forget God has already showed up in our life before. We can all share testimonies of where God has helped us before. So we're going to close with a song today. And I'm sorry, you're going you're, you're to have to give up your rock. You're welcome to get a new one as you go out the door. These altars are open, but I want, if today you have a specific prayer in mind, I want you to come up with a Ebenezer moment of where God has already helped you as a reminder. And I want you to walk to this jar. And I just want you to put an initial and drop it in. And over the next several weeks, we're going to build our Ebenezer altar. So that as we see this every week, it reminds us God is still with us. And he has helped us. And whatever you're praying through right now, he's still listening. And he's there for you. Stand with me this morning, church. Take a moment to just bring your prayer to God. But then I want you to, if you have an Ebenezer moment, to come and grab a marker and just drop it in there. And you're welcome to grab a new stone if you want to take one home as a remembrance of this lesson today. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.